Welcome to the ACO Show. I'm Josh Israel, a physician and a medical director here at Allidate. There's a lot going on in our world right now, and we want to keep you as up to date with breaking developments. And I'm here today with Sean Cavanaugh, who's the Chief Administrative Officer at Allidate. And he's the former director of the Center for Medicare at CMS and the deputy director of the Center for Medicare and Medicaid Innovation. Uh, thanks for joining us, Sean. Thanks for having me, Josh. Uh, in addition to the rapid breaking developments, there are some things that were released in the regulatory world very recently that I think are worth covering. Um, can you talk about any of the new regulations that came from CMS last week? Sure. There was one regulation dealing with interoperability and conditions of participation for hospitals that um, really, because of so much going on in the environment, didn't get a lot of attention, but really has the opportunity to improve care for Medicare beneficiaries. And that was a new requirement that hospitals, if they want to participate in Medicare, have to make available to primary care practices notifications when patients have been admitted or discharged. Um, seems really basic, but uh, this goes way back. It's been a problem in Medicare for a long time. Josh, I started at Medicare you know, right after the Affordable Care Act was passed. And you may recall around that time, there was research that came out that showed that one in five Medicare patients, after they were discharged from the hospital, were readmitted within 30 days. And it was really striking data. I mean, a readmission rate of 20%, it's terrible for patients. You know, something's clearly gone wrong with the care. Sure. But it's also terrible for the Medicare program. It's very costly. Um, to put them back in the hospital. And that was a big focus of the Medicare program at the time. One of the things we did at Medicare in order to be responsive was to respond to other research that came out, which was there was research that showed if a patient, if a Medicare patient was discharged, but, but was fortunate enough to see their primary care physician within seven days of being discharged, those patients had a much lower readmission rate. So what we did was we tried to incentivize physicians to reach out when their patients were discharged from the hospital, get in touch with them, and help them with the transition of care, the transition from the hospital to the home. Talk to them about their medications, make sure their medications were properly reconciled, they were taking the right ones at the right time, and any other you know, care-related issues with the movement to the home. And we thought that would solve a big part of the problem. And did it? Of course not. Um, <laughs> so what we found was, you know, we waited a year or two, and then we looked at the data. And what we found was physicians weren't using this new code. And frankly, the new code paid fairly generously compared to a regular valuation and management code. And so CMS reached out to the physician community and said, what's going on here? And we got a very clear and simple response from the physician community, which was, we'd love to do this service. We'd love to help our patients at this time as transition, but we community-based physicians don't know when our patients have been discharged from the hospital. Yeah. Or we find out long after the, time, the proper time period has passed because the patient comes in 30 days later and tells us, but we have no systematic way of knowing that's what happened. What was Medicare's expectation for how physicians would become aware that their patients had just been in the hospital? I'm not sure we thought through the workflows the way one needs to to see change happen. Um, but what has happened in the inter from that period going forward 
you know, people saw an opportunity here. Uh, and it's sometimes it was health systems or new startup companies or companies like Allidade where they're entering new models of care like ACOs and thinking, not only is this good for patients, but this is an essential strategy of an ACO. Like we need to reduce unnecessary readmissions. So one of the things Allidade does is part of our tool is we get the notifications from the local hospital, like real time. And we put that notification in an app that's in the physician practice. So someone in every Allidade practice around the country, it's someone's job in the morning to turn on the Allidade app and get a list of who from that practice was discharged from the hospital yesterday and to call them immediately and bring them in for transitional care visit. Um, and where we're able to get that data from the hospital or from a local health information exchange, it's an incredibly effective strategy. Our data show that, you know, roughly every time we do, you know, 10 or 12 of these calls and bring someone in for one of these visits, we prevent a readmission. So we're really happy with this strategy. And that's why this new reg is going to be really important because sadly, in some communities, when we've gone to the local hospital and said, we want to help get these notifications, the local hospital has been resistant and has literally just said either we don't want to support your ACO strategy or we have our own ACO and we're only going to provide these notifications to physicians in our own ACO, but for a variety of competitive reasons and not with the best interest of the patient in mind, we've had in some local areas trouble getting these notifications. The new CMS reg essentially says no more. If you want to be in Medicare and you want to be a hospital, you will provide these notifications. And it's very straightforward. It's not a huge technological challenge. It's not a huge cost. This is just a clear win for beneficiaries. So you're saying that in some places the technology was there for the hospital to notify the physician, but because the physician wasn't part of the hospital network, they, the hospital considered that giving a competitive advantage to their competitor to let them know that their patient needed some extra help. Do, do I understand that? That's exactly right. And when you think of it from a business standpoint, it makes perfect sense. But when you step back and say, these aren't just businesses, these are healthcare institutions and mostly not-for-profit, and under the law, a not-for-profit institution has to operate to the benefit of their community, they were putting their short-term business interests ahead of the health of these beneficiaries. And I think that's why, you know, when this provision was first proposed, and it was a little bit controversial in the hospital community, I think CMS didn't hesitate. CMS saw the compelling argument that this was clearly you know, in the interests of beneficiaries and patients, and it's something they had to do. And so what specifically do they have to do now? Just give access to any provider with a, with a good reason to be aware of the patient's comings and goings? Yeah, we have to demonstrate. So from the provider perspective, we have to demonstrate that the provider has an ongoing care relationship with the patient. So they don't, they're not giving out these data willy-nilly. It's only to primary care physicians who have an, you know, a right to see this information. Um, and the, the, the new regulation tries to be uh, flexible. It doesn't try to overly prescribe how hospitals accomplish this. So one way they could accomplish it is if a community has a highly functioning, or not even highly functioning, a well-functioning health information exchange, as long as they're participating in that on a timely basis, they've fulfilled their obligations. Um, 
in some communities, you don't have that. And that's where this was frustrating for Allidade because we went to these hospitals and they, we said, we will incur the cost. We will you know, do the technology side of integrating with your system. We will give you the list of patients that we have relationships with. We'll do all the heavy lifting. You just need to plug it in for us. And in the past, they've said no, but from now on, they'll need to say yes. Um, so the regulation, as you said, came out last week. It gave hospitals six months to come into compliance. Um, I'm sure other ACOs are doing this, but I know that Allidade's 30-some ACOs. We are reaching out to hospitals and saying, let us help you get into compliance with this. We're, we, you know, we don't want you getting in trouble with Medicare any more than you do. We just want these data. So we're trying to be proactive partners and saying, we are part of your solution to coming into compliance. This is great. Yeah, I'd like to think that, uh, I guess we could say the arc of the data universe is long, but maybe it does bend towards transparency. Yeah, one hopes. So far, so good. Yeah, and I would guess that the hospitals will actually find this beneficial for them as well. You know, there are readmission penalties and their communities will be healthier. And in the end, they may, they may see that it was a mistake on short and long term for them as well. I think that's right, Josh. And that was part of the arguments we were making is, you know, you're going to be judged on readmission rates. We are effective at reducing readmission rates. I do think you're going to see a secondary effect where we do, we help the hospital, even though that's not what we're setting out to do. We're setting out to help these patients, but I do think it will accrue to the benefit of the hospital in the longer run. Yeah. So Sean, we are talking in the midst of a, of a challenge to the country and the healthcare system. And we are also trying to make ACOs work for the benefits of our patients and our primary care physician partners. Um, is there any concern that a possible spike in healthcare costs from the coronavirus will have a big negative impact on what we're trying to do to succeed as accountable care organizations? That's a great question. And I know there have been a couple articles recently where people have said, oh no, the sky is falling. Coronavirus is going to make every ACO unsuccessful. Um, I don't think that's true per se. When Congress originally created the program, they set it up so that an ACO's budget, you know, essentially the spending target that it was going to be judged against, was created, was going to be created based on a national inflation rate. So essentially, could you hold the rate of growth costs for your assigned beneficiaries below a national average rate of growth in Medicare spending? And on its face, it seemed reasonable. But what we quickly learned in the early models and early performance was Medicare spending grows at very different rates in different communities around the country. And so we had ACOs in communities where spending was generally growing eight, nine percent, and they held it down. Groups of hospitals or doctors held spending down to three percent, but they were judged against the national inflation rate of two percent. So Medicare said to them, you didn't save us any money. And the doctors or hospitals were thinking, God, it feels like we did. We did a lot of work and we've held costs below our regional growth. So we we quickly learned we need to move to a more regional basis to judge performance locally, not nationally. Um, and we did it not because of we were expecting pandemics. You, you're never expecting pandemics. Um, but because we just knew things were growing differently in different parts of the country. But I do think the recent pandemic shows the wisdom of this approach. So if if we have an ACO operating in a community that is hard hit by the coronavirus, you know, we're going to be judged not against the national rate of growth, by, but what happened in that community. So 
any good work we did for, to do, you know, disease prevention and better transitions of care, yeah, we'll have high costs because of coronavirus. But if we made an improvement over what would have happened anyway, we'll get rewarded for that. So that's one. I think these regional trends will take care of much of the problem. That's great. The second thing is, yeah, and the second thing is there is a provision in the Medicare regulations, say, you know, and if there's a natural disaster that just makes everything go haywire, CMS can make certain adjustments. So there's sort of a, a safety valve, like CMS can, and that's been used, for example, in very localized problems, like when there was a hurricane or something and everything went crazy. Um, but we're hopeful that the, simply the regional trends will take care of much of this. Well, that's great to hear. So that if the practices just manage to give good care, um, the finances here should work themselves out. Exactly. Just do better, you know, do, keep trying to make improvements to care. Don't worry about things that are beyond your control. Um, and the formulas should work. And we're hoping that'll play out this year. Well, Sean, that is a, a really great overview. And I, I appreciate your talking through these changes with us. Yeah, great talking to you, Josh. Thanks.